Hi, you are listening to The Floating Point on Rave Pubs Radio. I am your host, Hope Roth, and I'm joined this month by Jimmy Vaughn from Crestron. Welcome, Jimmy. Hi, Hope. Hi, nice to see you. Great to see you. Been, it's been at least two weeks since Infocom, so it's nice to see you again. Yeah, sort of the catch-up point for everybody in the AV business, right? <laughs> Everybody's breathing again. <laughs> hey, we could do a podcast. Uh, we, we sort of caught up on our sleep. Um, so we like to, we like to, uh, Jimmy's going to talk to us today about Crestron's UC offerings. But before we get into the real nerd stuff, I always like to ask people, how did you get where you are today? How long have you been at Crestron, Jimmy? So I'm hitting 16 years in October. Um, been here for a long time. Uh, I didn't really have a lot of Crestron experience before I came to Crestron. Um, and my path is very unusual. Uh, I know that I shared with you right before this about how I came here, but um, it's kind of a funny story. I, I went to college. Uh, I wanted to be a TV producer. That's where I knew that I liked sort of doing things. Um, and I had a lot of opportunities before I went to college. Um, went to college, got my degree, uh, interned at Geraldo, uh, moved to Inside Edition, did some stuff at Current Affair and MTV, um, ended up for about six years at the World Wrestling Federation, where I was a TV producer, um, doing a lot of uh, a lot of different commercials for them. Um, we did, uh, I think, six Super Bowl commercials with them. Four, four actually aired. There was two that didn't air, um, but four Super Bowl commercials that aired. Um, and I got an opportunity to actually go over and uh, sort of be the guy that that ran the streaming media side for WWF.com. Um, that obviously became popular, and it sort of led me into a, a technical background uh, where I was networking and doing a whole bunch of stuff on the internet in the late 90s. So uh, so I was sort of sought after by a lot of dot-com companies, um, went through the dot-com boom, and ended up here at Crestron, where Crestron sort of taught me everything that they knew about Crestron, and I sort of helped here to teach everybody about the internet and those kind of things. So it's it's sort of a strange path, but it's one of those that um, you sort of end up in the AV business by a roundabout way, so. Would you say that working in professional wrestling uh, prepared you well for some of the site logistics that we deal with on an everyday basis? Well, I don't know about site logistics, but there's some guys here at Crestron <laughs> that, uh, yeah, the wrestlers uh, have nothing on them, so. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've all at one point or the other wanted to hit someone with a chair. Correct, correct. Chair <laughs> shots are approved here at Crestron. So. <laughs> And, and Joe and I, Joe, Joe Saracen, uh, who's the, the technology manager for UC stuff, we, uh, we often uh, go into wrestling conversations and we relate some meetings to, uh, to wrestling things. And I'll, I'll turn around to him and I'll go, you know, that's a, that's a run-in right there. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take wrestling terms and turn them into, to, into meeting jargon, so to say. There you go. I kind of got into AV through the dot-com as well, except on the other end of it, which is I graduated right after that bubble burst and I had a brand new computer science degree and everybody wanted five years of experience. And so and I had to do, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, I don't have a time machine. So I yeah. went into IT, then I went into AV and now I'm here. So I was one of those that, that if it had worked out the way that I wanted, um, I was a multimillionaire. Uh, and since it didn't, um, here's, crash on 17 years now so yeah. money's overrated yeah i know <laughs> we love what we do that's that's <laughs> the great gift right um so Crestron has a lot uh, there's no good segue into uc from from world uh worldwide wrestling i don't think so we'll no. just we'll just get right into it um 
Restaurants come a long way since the RL. Um, we could have a Royal Rumble about the RL, but uh, we could, yeah. we could. I know, I know RL is one of those products that sort of, you know, if, if you've done a couple of them, you'll understand the challenges and you'll never run into them again, but your first time out of the gate, um, you may have stumbled. You may have had some, some challenges with it. It's one of those products that um, when we first designed it, we had the greatest intentions um, when sort of things came out. There were a couple of challenges because the IT world and the AV world didn't always see uh, eye to eye in a lot of things. And it was one of those things uh, integrators constantly sort of had to, to get with the IT people. And it was one of the first times that we were, we were sort of forced to, to tell the integrators, um, you really have to pick up the IT, uh, IT side and understand what you need to ask for. So. I would say the RL is probably the, my first experience with a piece of equipment that's more than just kind of like gazintas and gazatas. It's got an actual, uh, you know, programming that goes to it, functionality. And um, the first job I ever did, it got specced by a consultant. And I don't think they really fully understood how it was actually supposed to work. And then we had to kind of make it work and more of a traditional system that sort of had RL bolted onto t on top of it where someone hadn't really taken the time to think about how all of that was going to work. So in a way it sort of set the, it sort of set the foundation or it was sort of just like the first foray into let's take a piece of system, a piece of equipment, drop it into an open architecture and uh, we need to actually figure out what we're doing with it. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, Microsoft and Creshawn sort of came up with this whole idea. Um, and Microsoft even had other partners on the, on the original Link Room system side. They had Smart, uh, and then Polycom actually purchased the, the Creshawn solution and put it out as a CX-8000. Um, but it was one of those things, um, all of us knew that we wanted AV and IT integrated and things like that, but nobody really knew how to jump into that world. And when we started with, uh, with Microsoft down the link room system side, it was obvious that you couldn't separate the two. You couldn't have IT people just doing the AV side and you couldn't have AV people doing just the IT side. So a lot of times what would happen uh, on these, these systems, like you said, you worked with a, a consultant who actually specced it. Um, they understood that it was a piece of Creshron hardware, but they didn't understand even the cloud aspect or the on-prem servers and all of the different things that had to go along with us. So when you're starting like a, a, a you know an old time link meeting or even a Skype meeting, they didn't realize what actually happened happened to the programming and how all of that sort of fit in and mm -hmm. how the workflow of people walking into the room and using this was was really going to function because previously people would walk into a, into a room and you always knew their workflow because hey when I program a system this is the fir first page that I want them to see but now you're going to a page that's completely controlled by Microsoft that you don't have uh, control over and, and this is the first image that you're seeing um, so we've sort of uh, sort of sort of rounded that about and and now there's some programming hooks inside of different things that you can do where you can make sure that this is definitely the first page that you can see and even Microsoft on the ESR or what we're calling the Rigel solution because it was called Project Rigel in the infancy um, on those systems Microsoft has taken the lead and said hey we always want our system to be up front so they've actually put it in places where it'll time out and it'll flip back to the Microsoft page automatically if you're a uh, if you're over on the Crestron page for too long. So, so there, there are challenges. And I think that it's one of those things we've, we've just grown up and we've, we've gotten into it. Um, now with Zoom and other partnerships that we've got at Crestron, um, we're taking all those years of experience and actually applying them to these other partners as well. So. 
Nice. Yeah, I think that <laughs> I yeah. think that first system had an eight by eight NRL in the same room. And yeah, and you know what? A lot of people tried to do a lot of different things with it, and it was it was one of those things. If you try to shoehorn Crestron into the RL, it was one of those things that you sometimes sort of looked back and it goes, you know, after your first system and go, okay, I I, I would do it this way now that I know how everything works. Yeah. So can you tell us just a little bit about what you have on offer now for people interested in doing unified collaborations? Yeah, we have, you know, unified communications here at Crestron has sort of been one of those departments that uh, has sort of grown uh, over the years. Like I said, I've been here for a whole number of years. Um, I've always been the network guy here. And when we did network products such as the RL and things like that, it was obvious, you know, I was going to be involved in, in one way or another. And now, um, I'm over on the UC side. One of the first products that we've actually put out that was really sort of fitting the unified communications or the huddle room space um, is Mercury. And Mercury is one of those products. Um, it's been one of the fastest selling products that we've had at Crestron. It's, it's really sort of exploded into the world, which I'm, we're really happy about. But um, we've, we've got so many other things sort of going on right now um, because UC is one of those areas that is exploding. While it's a buzzword, it's not um, just a buzzword. It's really sort of where a lot of these enterprises are going. Um, you and I spoke before uh, about the huddle rooms and how programmers really didn't want to sort of look at those huddle rooms because um, there, there wasn't a lot of opportunity inside of those rooms. And that's what we sort of saw with the, the pyramid that, that I show a master's class every single year. And we even you know, go out on roadshows and show dealers and uh, integrators how this sort of works. And what we saw was the huddle rooms, which has an opportunity of 30 to 50 million rooms um, by estimates, um, were just being ignored. And they, they, Crestron wasn't getting those rooms. We always had the top 10 to 20 million rooms uh, available. And we were always in those programming environments. But in those lower rooms, um, what was happening in a lot of enterprises was they weren't even putting technology inside of those rooms. They were putting something as simple as a telephone inside of that room. And that's all that they would do. And that's where two to three people would meet. Um, so it sort of made sense that we take something that Crestron does in these larger rooms um, and make it available in the smaller rooms. But what we didn't want to do was where we had um, 100 or 200 rooms versus the 10 or 20 rooms that we traditionally have. We didn't want to sort of make it so that oh, everybody's got to do custom programming. This is a large integration project. And this is something that has to, has to take time. And we have to really sort of uh, go through and understand how this works. We wanted a simple configurable device that sort of took all of the elements of Crestron and worked it into that small device. And that's what Mercury really is. It's configurable. It's not, it's not necessarily programmable. It's configurable where you take something, um, take a device and you take, add on top of that XIO cloud, which we can go into a little bit further as well, but you add XIO cloud. And now I'm sort of setting these settings on a 100 or 200 or 300 uh, device level versus just doing a program that might fit 10 or 20 rooms. Um, and we're sort of deploying it that way. I know that you, know, you were at Masters two years ago where, uh, where Brian Donlin and I actually uh, stood on stage and we taught everybody about how Mercury is going to be configurable and how XIO cloud is going to work and how the future really looks for Crestron where we're pushing these things from the cloud instead of going to each individual device. And while we were teaching people about um, setting up a Mercury and how to do things, we actually took that 90 minutes and we wired up a Mercury from scratch. We took it out of the box 
Um, I showed everybody how the packaging was, how, how everything sort of fits into this one thing. We set it up and we actually deployed it on stage in that 90 minutes. And by the end of the 90 minutes, we had um, custom backgrounds, we had custom logos, we actually had air media deployed, we had all of the different things, all of the wiring that was actually done and it was a 90 minute setup. Um, and that's the idea of these is that they're just put them into the room have an IT administrator or an AV integrator sort of set them up in XIO cloud. Once you plug them into the, into the network and it can go up and grab its settings, there's nothing left to do. Um, and, and it's really easy. So, so it's good to see that the integrators and the AV people have really sort of adopted this. And like I said, it's one of the fastest selling products that we've ever had. So I, I think we sort of hit the nail on the head with this one. Um, and we've moved a little bit into other products as well. Um, we just released the AM 200 and 300. Um, we were calling them last year at, at Infocom, we were calling them Freeform. And I'll be honest with you, nobody understood what Freeform meant. Uh, they understood the idea and what we were sort of saying in the brochures. But when we did um, sort of a market study and we brought some people in for focus groups, everybody had the same response. What is Freeform and what does it actually do? And uh, we came up with the idea of let's rename this to what it really is, which is an air media presentation system. And that's what the 200 and 300 really are. They, they sort of solve the, the solution for, I have a display on the wall, which is another area where we really didn't see ourselves, but we saw that there was opportunity. I just have a display on the wall. I might have a chair underneath it. I might have a table underneath it, but I want to do more with that display. Um, and that's where the 200 and 300 sort of come into, into play is that I can just put this device right behind the display. And now I not only get use of that display, um, I also ha now have a, a way to actually share um, uh, my content sort of uh, remotely and I can plug in if I need to an HDMI cable, but now I'm making a two-person meeting space that never had the opportunity before. Maybe I was just dedicating it to digital signage before and I, I couldn't stand there and actually present to somebody. Now this gives people sort of multi-purposing that display for a small amount of cost and of course those things report up to XIO Cloud, which again, um, makes this a configurable device where you just sort of put it out. Um, and, and that's going to be actually expanding in the future as well. Uh, one of the feedback that we got after we released the product was, hey, I want to control these like I do other, other products. So um, we have a project actually, actually being kicked off really soon, and it's called Air Media Joins. Um, and it's going to take that AM200 and 300 and actually make it a programmable device where you got, you know, people like you hope can sort of go in and you can take all of the things like an AM101 and things like that and sort of control these, maybe even do video switching on these small things as well, just through a simple Windows program. So you'll have the opportunity not only to, to sort of have it be a configurable device um, like the Mercury side, but you'll also have it be a programmable, programmable device that, um, that you can expand upon as well. Um, so we've got those two coming out. We've got, um, obviously, we've got integrations now with uh, a lot of other companies outside of Microsoft, including Zoom and AppSpace. Um, AppSpace is one of those companies that we saw. Uh, we saw the need for digital signage. We, we have all of these displays hanging off of digital media um, in the world, and, and we always had that. What we didn't have was sort of, we never really controlled the content that was going to these displays. And with Mercury, we obviously see we put up the schedule. We have the idea of a, what we call Pinpoint UX, which is the front of the room experience. Um, that's now moved over to the AM200 and 300, but now we're actually gonna take it a step further 
where we're not only going to put up the customizable backgrounds, but we'll actually allow you to actually use that um, as a digital signage piece as well. So instead of just having the, the display show calendaring, you may want to actually show um, digital signage and what's what AppSpace calls cards. Um, and you can use these for anything that you want. You might want to put up uh, anniversaries for your company. You want to put up uh, important announcements about your company, or you might want to put up happy birthday, you know, different things. But, but these guys at AppSpace give you the flexibility to do it what you want with these devices. So it, it's another way that we're going. Um, and you and I have actually spoken, you know, on the, on email about zoom and what we did with zoom um, with mercury and TSW. And that's obviously exploding out into the, into the world. Um, we've now got firmware for the mercury and the, uh, uh, the TSWs that are going to support um, zoom's ultrasonic sharing where you just walk into a room and there's no need to actually, uh, sort of put in a URL like Air Media and things like that. That kind of sharing automatically happens through the Zoom client itself. Um, and so we've got that coming. We've, we're also working with Zoom um, to take their their scheduling uh, app and actually put that on TSWs as well. So th there's a lot of stuff that that's coming out with us that we've been working on. Um, with Mercury, we actually went back um, for master's class this year. I had I, I sort of was debating about what to do. And I went back and I sort of gave us a history lesson about, um, and I had to remind people and I had to remind myself, hope it's only been a year that we released Mercury. I mean, it's, it's one of those things. I, I, I don't think everybody sort of grasped this, that this product is only a year old because it, it feels mature in the market and it feels like it's really got a hold in the market, but at the same point, it's only a year old. Um, and I want, went through everything that we've sort of added to it from, from AppSpace to Zoom to um, to uh, Skype audio and all the different uh, different features that we've done, um, and what Joe and I actually target um, is that we get a new major feature upgrade every two months, and we sort of hit that. And what I did was uh, I laid out Mercury at the front of the room, and those of you that were at Masters sort of understand what we did. Um, we laid out ten different Mercuries at the room in ten different configurations. And it sort of showed you the flexibility and the idea that we have of UC that we don't want to necessarily pin people into, hey, you have to be a Skype user or you have to be a Zoom user, you have to be a WebEx user. We never want to sort of put people in that position of this is what you have to do. We're one of the companies, one of the few companies that actually embrace that open architecture and say, we're, we don't mind which service you go with. Um, we're just going to give you the best room experience that we can. Um, and that's sort of where we sort of uh, go with all of our products is, is we want to make sure that they're flexible enough that we can satisfy um, most of the market. We don't want to just target um, one part of one, one specific uh, uh, application. I mean, there's, there's products that we do specifically for Microsoft. There's products that we do specifically for other partners. Um, but we like to stay in that neutral world where we can actually satisfy a lot of people. Um, We've had a couple of customers actually come to us and say, uh, uh, hey, I'm in a transition now. I'm moving from Cisco over to Skype. What can you guys offer me? And we, we show them products like the Mercury and um, even some of our Skype-specific products that have the availability that, um, that it'll, it'll sort of bridge that transition that they're going through. So they don't need to sort of um, rip and replace if they want to go from some from one thing to another and they've they've actually come back to us a lot of enterprises and said this is this is the reason why we went with Crestron is because you've got the flexibility and you're going to help us in this transition period and make sure that we don't have to rip and replace if we, if this doesn't work for us so nice 
That's um, a mouthful. Sorry. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. Uh, contrary to popular belief, I'm not super in love with the sound of my own voice. So <laughs> happy to let you, happy to let you do the smart guy stuff for a while. Um, I, I think I think you know. I mean, you throw one question at me, I can talk for ninety minutes. I've, I, I'm one of the guys that at master's class that people say, "Hey, can you come teach this class with me?" And yeah, sure, I'll, I'll come. We'll share any knowledge that we have. So, can you come teach this class with me? I need to zone out for a few minutes. Yeah. <laughs> it's usually after lunch, though. You know, those lunches are very heavy. People need a nap, and then you're, you know. Um. Uh, you talked a little bit about how we want to kind of be in all of those spaces from the TV on a wall that might have just, you know, at one point been hung up by an electrician and it's just kind of, you know, on the wall up to a town hall space. As a programmer, what would you recommend to help make sure that there's a sort of consistency of experience um, with using the different um, products so you know you might have am you might have mercury you might have a bespoke system yeah just it's it's one of those challenges so so if you've got an enterprise i think all of us that have ever programmed a system have gotten the request i i don't want to walk into different rooms i don't want to have different experiences i want to make sure that when when my customer is walking into room a um they know that it was the same as room b that they just left from um mm -hmm. They, they, that's one of the challenges that we've sort of had and we're, we are sort of listening to the market and we're understanding that this is a challenge that everybody sort of needs to fulfill. Um, and Mercury sort of has that. Mercury is built on what we call AV framework. Mm -hmm. uh, and AV framework is, is sort of a configurable side of programming that we have. Um, but we're also moving out with that uh, into uh, programming languages such as Crestron Studio, which will take that AV framework look and feel and allow our programmers to actually deliver that look and feel in some of our higher, uh, higher rooms as well, where there's a fully integrated system. But again, it flows and it looks like the um, huddle spaces or the smaller spaces, or like you said, the display that's even just on the wall. If you've got an, one of the air media solutions, air media presentation solutions, um, you can have a TSW and that will run the AV framework that actually runs on a DMPS, on a Mercury. Uh, it's all the same so that you get that consistent flow and feel. It, it's always been one of the things that, I, I mean, I know I've done a lot of sort of um, pickup jobs where sort of integrators have might have left or or done other things where they uh they sort of they're not around anymore and a customer comes in and they say hey we need to get this back on track and you walk in and you just see that they programmed room number one and room number two completely differently from each other because it was integrator one and then integrator two did something differently and i, I know it's even challenging hope on a lot of the jobs that you do with lighting and av controls um, sometimes you have two different people that are actually doing those programs. Oh, it's usually two different people. Yeah, yeah, and it's challenging. It's 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 something that everybody wants, and it's a challenge to actually get to. I know um, one of the projects that I was on was uh, Revel Hotel down in Atlantic City, and you know we had over three thousand rooms, but we only had six programs. Mm -hmm. And that was the idea was that, hey, there's 3,000 rooms, but there's only six different programs. So that when I went from room number one to room number two, I, I didn't feel like I was actually in a different thing. It was the same sort of thing. And they could put out little um, sort of uh, tents to, to show people this is how you control the air conditioning and the heating and, and how you control the shades all from the remote control itself. Mm -hmm. um, so that's been one of the challenges. And that's one of the reasons why Joe and I sort of, you know, 
uh, sort of develop on the UC side. Uh, we, we, while we don't sort of look towards, hey, this has to be a fully integrated product, um, we are making those solutions so that the fully integrated products that are above, um, above our, our products in the larger rooms, um, they don't necessarily look and feel differently. So we work with Jason Oster. We work with all the software guys. Um, Tuan is, is on AVF. Um, and, you know, Tuan is, on, Tuan is one of the TM for AVF, and here he is. He's the guy that teaches all the three series and the simple sharp classes. So it's not something that's, that's sort of out, out of the world of, uh, of programmers. This is, this is something that everybody should be sort of looking at if you want that consistency. I mean, that, that programming style is available to people through the, through the AVF side. And I think we're, you're going to see a lot of stuff in the next year where we're getting into studio and we're actually moving that forward and making sure that, this is available for everybody, but it's, it's one of the challenges that everybody sort of has when you go into a job is, is making sure that everything's consistent. And, and we are reacting to that. We're, uh, we're developing towards that standard. So. What about for those of us who won't touch studio? <laughs> you'll, you give you'll me, a, studio. You'll give me an, undo, <laughs> an undo button and the ability to not have everything locally on my, uh, on my laptop and we'll talk. Yeah, I know. I know. Listen, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that are going to come with studio and it, it is one of the focuses that we have. We're not getting rid of simple windows or VT pro E. Um, I'm okay those with are, yeah, those are, it's fine. those are always around and even simple sharp and, and stuff like that. That's, that's allowed us to actually go into worlds um, and, and allow some of the programmers that are uh, familiar with C sharp that might not have even touched simple windows. It allows a lot of people into our world, but I, I think when you see and you understand where we're going with studio, I, I understand, understand the reluctance uh, at points to go to that. But I, you know, I, I think we also have to sort of look and say, okay, simple windows and those kind of things, they may meet uh, a point where, uh, where they won't actually satisfy the programming side. And we, we have to do things like studio to actually move forward. I know. I know. Well, I'm, I'm very excited for HTML5 and CSS. So yeah, Blackbird, all Blackbird. the, yeah. Is that what they're, yeah. Are they still calling it that? I can't, I can't keep your name. <laughs> What would you say? What would you say would be the best option for those of us who are probably going to be? Because I see, I see the market stratifying, and you, I say this all the time, so I'm, I'm sure I sound like a broken record at this point. But I, I feel like you're going to have the configurable systems, and then you're going to have the completely bespoke systems where we use real, quote unquote. I'm doing air quotes. You can't see it because it's a podcast. Um, you know, real programming in C sharp and, you know, HTML five and the, the middle is going to kind of drop out, which is where simple windows and VT pro were before. That's, that's sort of where I see things headed. So in order to keep that consistency of experience, are you going to be offering as a company more options for those of us who, you know, maybe have to do something super custom? I don't think we're ever getting rid of that. I think yeah. that's, that's a place where we live. That's a place where we've been for the last 40 years mm -hmm. as a company. Um, you know, even I just met, e yeah, I just met even just in terms of like the graphics packages and everything. Cause it's like, yeah, okay. I can make it look exactly the same if I do studio, but if I'm, if I'm doing my own panels, I want them to look the same. It's just, you know, it's done by me cause it needs some extra. Yeah. I think with the, yeah, with the HTML five, a lot of opportunities are going to come, come forward. I mean, we're, we're sort of in the infancy of that here mm -hmm. where we're doing the HTML five, um, uh, uh, sort of rollout. Um, it'll come. And I think we're going to sort of 
offer those opportunities to people. I don't think we're, we're just living in a configurable uh, world. I think we're actually living in a configurable and a programming world. Cause you know, one of the things that I constantly get on, uh, on phone calls with customers and dealers and integrators, um, even with the mercury is I love mercury, but <laughs> you know, it's, it's it, that, but is always there. And if, mm-hmm. if, if nobody had that, extra but at the end of their sentences we would have solved this problem a long time ago oh yeah but everybody has that but and i think that at that point um we sort of look towards uh if you're not doing this then let's make sure that you're at least in the same style and in the same um same breath having having a solution where you can actually put this to market um i don't think that there's any way that we get out of that um i i mean i think you have it as well i mean how many times have you written a program and then you know the end users doing the punch through and they go i love this but, and that's a, you know, that's even a custom program solution. And you did it exactly the way that they had inside of the, uh, the scope of work and everything else. And they, they still have a question about how does this, how does this go through? Um, you know, even, even though Mercury is one of those things, yes, it's configurable. I mean, Hope, I got to tell you the amount of time that we sit in a room uh, with 10, 20 of us and we sort of say, uh, well, it should work like this. And there's 10 or 20 people in the room and there's 10 or 20 opinions about exactly how it should work. Um, It's one of those things that, you know, even though we're doing configurable systems, there are arguments and there's heated arguments at times here in the, in the, uh, in the engineering building about how, how things should work. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and, you know, you, you do, you do everything. You sort of have the best intentions you get to it. And there's been times where we actually roll back and we say, okay, we had the best intentions, but, maybe we should do it like this and we take time um, to actually go back and redo it and, uh, and make sure that it's the right way. Got it. Yeah. I remember having a heck of a time when our, that first RL system we did, you know, we, we had to do the thing where you flipped in and out of the pages. So it's like the pages that come from you and I can't change. And then the pages that I make and and the theme wasn't available. So I was like, I can't, I want to make them look the same, but I don't actually have access. (laughs) theme and I had to fill out a bunch of paperwork and like several favors to get somebody to send me the theme so I could make the pages that were going on the RL look like the other pages on the RL so yeah we uh here's a a plug for making sure that whatever blackbird templates they put out there matches AV framework yeah no we uh we actually uh for the RL side we actually had the style guide from Microsoft and it took us a while to actually get the style guide from them Mm -hmm. so that we can match it I mean you can go in and you can match colors you can do all that but um um, if you have the style guide from the people that you're sort of emulating, that helps tremendously in it now. Oh, so, so we had, uh, you know, we had the first template and then we had the, the, then it, it changed from link, the white uh, screens and everything else. And then it changed to the blue screens. Um, and even that was a challenge because uh, all of a sudden it's a firmware upgrade and now Microsoft looks different, but now you're flipping to a Crestron page that tried to match the old style. Mm-hmm. And now doesn't match the new style. So there's, there's, there's definitely hiccups here. And while everybody tries to say, oh, this is the way that we want it, um, you know, we'll, we'll get to there. Uh, there's, there's even, you know, I can tell you that, that um, AV Framework had probably about five different looks as it was progressing. And until it got to Mercury, it really sort of solidified this is the way that AV Framework looks. Mm-hmm. Um, we went through a couple of different templates for that. Um, and it was, it, and we always challenged, do we name it a new, is it new because it's, it's a new graphics package or do we just call it AV framework 2.0 or 3.0 where, wherever we were at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the RL is one of those things. Um, RL has actually progressed 
Um, and it will, the RL2s that are out there, I mean, this is one of the things that we sort of look at uh, in, in keeping our customers sort of uh, uh, in focus. Um, Microsoft likes to do things where they, they sort of jump around and they, they went from Link to Skype and now they're going to Teams. Um, and those customers that actually purchased uh, Link Room Systems, the RL2, I, I think it was almost six or seven years ago we actually released those products. Um, they got the free upgrade from Link to, to Skype uh, and now their Skype room systems, um, they'll have the opportunity at some point in the future. We actually worked with Microsoft on this. Uh, the RL2 units will actually be able to be upgraded from Windows 7 to a Windows 10 platform, and it's going to have uh, the Rigel software, which is currently on Crestron SR. Uh, it's the same software, and what that means is that those customers that purchase these systems actually went from a link room system to a Skype room system, and they'll get the upgrade to a, uh, uh, to a Teams room system. Um, all without ripping and replacing equipment. And that's, that's one of the keys that we sort of look at and we like to, we like to sort of hang our hat on. We, we don't necessarily want everybody to redo rooms. We understand there's a life cycle in the room systems, but we don't want people to be forced to, hey, your whole organization is changing from Skype to Teams um, and you got to rip out your room systems. We like to sort of give customers the opportunity um, and this one's one of them that we've, we, we sort of uh, worked with Microsoft. It was a significant engineering opportunity for us to sort of make sure. And it's going to be a USB upgrade. We can't do an over-the-network over upgrade because it is an OS upgrade. Um, but it's a USB upgrade, and, and customers will have the opportunity to do that. So and we'll be showing that at, at, at um, Microsoft Ignite in September, along with a whole bunch of other stuff. I, if I can give your listeners any sort of hint, uh, Microsoft Ignite in September is going to be a big opportunity for Crestron and Microsoft, and you're going to see a lot of stuff come out of here, especially around the UC side. So Nice. Well, so I, I personally am happy to not have to program a four-person huddle room 50 times. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, t I, try to write it, I try to write it in a way that we, I write it once and it gets implemented 50 times, but I'm totally happy to let you guys do that and so, then so, do the big stuff. Yeah. Um, so I'm I know some people are a little nervous about the demise of the medium-sized conference room, but I, the way I look at it is, you know, 50 huddle rooms is one big system and, and then I can, I can help. Um, for, for people who are sort of looking at the future and saying, okay, I'm going to have to help, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to program the town hall space and I'm going to, uh, you know, provide assistance for our, you know, our tech teams as they go out and deploy the huddle room spaces. How do those people poise themselves for the future? What do they, what do they go out and learn? Okay. So, you know, I have been from the day one here at Crashron, I've been the network guy. Yeah, uh, uh, this, was totally, this, was, this was totally a leading question. Oh my, yeah, I mean, you dropped something <laughs> on the floor, Hope, and I picked that up, right? <laughs> here's, your, here's your sugar cube. <laughs> so, so I've been the network guy. You know, you, you know my history. I came from the yeah. dot-com world, and I helped Crestron sort of understand a lot of the stuff that went into networking. And, you know, when we get networking questions, uh, one of the first thing on a lot of people's lips here is, where's Jimmy? And I got to ask Jimmy what's going on and everything. And, and you I even did that. Know. I did that to you at Infocom. I didn't like the answer answer from Correct. somebody else. I had a networking <laughs> question and I said, I need your confirmation. Yeah, that? I know. I know. So, <laughs> so I get it. I get it a hundred percent. I think you guys have heard, I, I think everybody around the Crestron community has heard um, sort of the marketing blast of AT meets IV and you, you must learn IT and you have to understand IT and you have to understand what's going on. And I can't impress it enough. I mean, you know, companies like Zoom who are in the cloud, 
uh, we're going to be starting to, to do rooms. And I know, hope you're doing Zoom rooms at this point too. Um, if you don't understand the cloud and you don't understand how to actually ask the IT guy about um, his network and you don't understand 802.1x or proxy services or transversing a firewall or opening ports, if you don't understand what these things are, I think you're going to get lost in the future. I mean, one of the big pushes here at Crestron is XIO Cloud. And XIO Cloud is one of those... Um, one of those services that's going to open up a lot of opportunities for, for integrators and programmers. I hope to be honest, we're, we have, we have in our head that we're going to actually release an API for, um, for XIO cloud and, and allow people to actually do things inside of this, this world. Um, and if you look at Microsoft's O365, um, they don't just have Microsoft as O365. I mean, they've, they've got, all of these companies that sort of surround O365 that provide services for O365, such as single sign-on, um, authentication, everything sort of has an opportunity for people to go into into the uh, the cloud and actually offer services. This is something that I think is going to be uh, be valuable to to integrators in the future, for especially around the XIO cloud platform. But for people that don't understand the network and don't understand how to do things. I understand you can set up your home router and you can understand an IP address and you might change the subnet to something different. And, and okay, I have a subnet mask that actually masks some units out. So now I'm doing this, but I mean, it's, it's amazing. We did, we did the control subnet on the, on the, on the control systems. And it was funny when we were talking about um, how we were doing this and how we were going to sort of, figure out uh, the IP scheme for the back end and how you could actually manage it. And, and some people struggled with it um, and some people got it. And I think a lot of the people that got it could go into a system, could go into an IT sort of focused conference room and say, uh, hey guys, here's how this thing works and say it with confidence. And I watched other people just struggle to explain it where the IT guy goes, so it's a router. And then he goes, he goes, no, it's not a router. And that's where he sort of ended because he knew the marketing blast. Mm -hmm. um, but if you don't understand how to actually explain to these IT guys why it's, it's different from that, then you're going you're gonna to sort of struggle. Um, and the same thing goes, I, I got to stress to everybody. And I, I've been doing it on a couple of shows. I do it, you know, I do it at every class that I teach. I say, you have to learn IT. And there is no right way to learn IT. There's no wrong way. Um, I know that people say, hey, go take a class at a community college. Um, I know that I learned it by picking it up. I, mm -hmm. I understand the basis of it. I understand a, a lot of different things, but I pick it up and I learn it. And I'm not even afraid to say hope. I don't know. That's, that's three words that I wish that people would understand and say is I don't know. Yeah. Um, because I, I had it the other day where I was on a phone call with some, some very, very smart people. Um, and they were networking for a very large company in the world. Um, and it was their global deployment that was having problems. Um, and I sort of do this sometimes and I shouldn't give out my secrets, but I will. <laughs> when I'm on a call, and I hear somebody say something and I'm not really sure if they're right or they're wrong. I don't have a problem saying, I don't know, but I'll also ask some leading questions that I know are false. And if they agree with that, <laughs> then I know that they're sort of, um, they're sort of making, you know, a lot of noise and they're sort of screaming. And that's one of the things that happens on a lot of phone calls that I find um, when you're deep into um, into sort of analyzing things is the loudest guy is the guy that gets listened to. 
And it's not the best thing, but the loudest guy is usually the IT guy and it's not the AV guy. And why? Because the AV guys are actually not sure. And you have to understand and you have to understand these things to move forward. Now, Now, on the phone call that I was on, I was thankful that I could actually get everybody to understand. I didn't know. And I got layman's terms and I got them to explain things and we sort of worked it out. Um, but at the same point, I got to stress to the AV guys, if we don't learn IT and we don't learn what these guys are doing, they're going to, they're going to steamroll all over the place. Um, and they control the network. And a lot of the stuff hope that we're, we're putting on runs over things that they control. I know your husband's an IT guy. Um, yeah. He controls your home network at home. When you I got a problem, have the you, passwords. you've got to talk to him. So. Yeah. I do. You know what I do when stuff doesn't work and he's not home is I do what all of our end users do that drive Reboot. us crazy. And I go downstairs and I start unplugging things that were Correct. Around. Yeah. Yeah. Fine. Well, let me see if I can narrow down where the problem is. <laughs> I was like, well, you know, I used to just hit the button on the power switch and then it would start working again. And yeah. then he put everything on a UPS and now I just have to unplug everything until it's yeah. done. I, he, won't listen, the, he won't give me the passwords. He said, I'm not certified on that software platform. You can't have the password. Listen, I, I, there's <laughs> plenty of times I live in Wireshark. And yeah. it's, funny that, it's funny that you would ever get down to a packet level, but I, I, can, I can give you one hint about a job that we really recently had where um, – they have, we're having a problem with uh, with RL come you know, and it was it was logging into Skype. So after after a reboot, the unit wouldn't actually log into Skype. And what we had to do was we actually put packet traces um, on the RL. We put another packet capture at the switch that the RL was plugged into. We put another packet capture at the uh, the uplink to the building of it was going out. We put another packet capture at the data center where it was coming into. And we put another packet capture at the front end server of the of um, uh, of Skype, and you know you might think, oh, you know why why do you have to get down to that level? Well, this was one of those situations where everybody's sort of pointing fingers and saying it's not it's not us, it's the box, it's it's the network, and then you had different people, you know, the the Skype administrator saying it's not my it's not my thing and everything else, but it came down to you had to actually see the way that Skype was actually authenticating. Now it's all sort of secure and a lot of the, a lot of the packets are um, sort of encrypted on port 443. But um, what you would look at is you would look at the payload. And even though you don't know what that payload is, you would be down to the bits and you would look at the bits. And what we found was when we were going through, um, through the load balancers, the load balancers were actually having a problem with the encryption, but ultimately it was actually a Kerberos um, authentication issue. And now I don't expect a lot of I, AV guys to be down to that level. That's when it's coming up to sort of my side and I'm helping everybody sort of understand it. But if you don't understand what I just said and you don't understand Wireshark, I don't think you'll ever get to the point where you'll have a customer that can actually be escalated to my side because they get frustrated very quickly. Um, yeah. And if you don't know exactly sort of, hey, we have to narrow this down and figure this out um, and do it very methodically. Um, it's it, these, the, you know, listen, attention spans are very short at this point. And uh, there's always another box around the corner that can do something similar. So yeah. when you're not going to get on the network, if you if you use the wrong words, I, I teach CTS, yeah. I teach CTS prep for Avixa as a volunteer. And I always tell my students. You know, what do you, what do you, what happens when somebody asks you to go to the Google 
and then they all kind of laugh and then I say <laughs> you assume that they have about the same knowledge as your grandparents right although actually my grandmother was a computer programmer so she would run circles around some of the people out there I know right <laughs> <laughs> listen I google it I like I said yeah. I mean my three favorite yeah. words are I don't know explain it to yeah. me you know? but if you say the google and you're not yeah. being like a hipster ironic person then yeah. that that's that that that's a flag for somebody that uh, you're not using that terminology the way that we use it. Yeah. Um, you know, if someone says the toolbox, uh, it usually means that they <laughs> probably shouldn't have access to toolbox. Yeah, um, like they got a, they got yeah. a screwdriver in the back. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so then you know somebody hears you say that and they put you in a specific box, aka box of do not go on my network. You're going to cause havoc. Same thing that I do. I mean, I like I said, I, I mislead some people uh, with leading questions, and I'll know do they know what they're talking about? Do they yeah. not know what they're talking about? And, and you know what? I mean, if 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 you don't know, you better be ready to say I don't know because there there are people out there like me that will do those kind of things and sort of understand. Um, if you know things, it doesn't mean that you're a bad person. If you, if you sort of say, I don't know, it's just, I don't know. We need, yeah, we need to give you some help. So, I mean, yeah. and sometimes you want to be in that box, but you know, the, you know, you want to learn the right words as you go along. So you say the right thing so that the IT people will work with yeah. you. You'll figure stuff out. You, you speak the same language as them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you speak the same language as them and, and, and you get your stuff, you know, and it's not fired all firewalled off into oblivion, you know, so yeah. you don't, you if, don't say the Google, if you're going to, uh, if you're going to parrot stuff, you, you have to understand what you're parroting. Yeah. That's one of the things. So. And sometimes you want to be put in that box. You know, if I'm on, if I'm on a call with all of the IT people, I want them to understand, look, I know enough, um, to not mess up your network. But, you know, you're going to have to help me with these certain things because I'm yeah. not, I'm not you, you know, I'm, I'm not allowed to have the passwords to the router at home. Correct. Um, I, <laughs> that's a marriage thing. That's not really an IT thing. But <laughs> so, so for all of you out there listening, go out and learn networks. And, and like Jimmy said, there's lots of, there's lots of options. Some of us learn by doing, some of us learn by classes. I don't, I don't have time for a community college class, but yeah, yeah. You know, there's, there's lots of opportunities out there for integrators you can take a class at Infocom. Uh, you know, they have some networking options there. You know, a lot of the manufacturers are starting to offer that stuff as well. But, you know, yeah, I think you we got, do you a better lot. Know, you better know yeah. what a VLAN is. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. Get into this stuff. I mean, I was I was at the Zoom booth at, at Infocom and they're saying, oh, yeah, we have this great product. It's a microphone. You just plug it directly in. It's Dante, blah, blah, blah. And I said, what happens when somebody just sticks that right flat on the client network? Yep. And they said, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you need to know enough not to, not to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You have to understand it. When I plug this thing in, what is it going to do? I mean, that's, yeah. that's one of the big pushes that we have here um, is the, all the security side. Um, we've had, we've had actually people find uh, issues with some of our devices um, and they publish things. And one of the things that all of these enterprises look at is what's published against your devices. Um, and listen, I, I told the story at the manufacturer's training this year at Infocom. Um, there was a guy in, in Las Vegas who actually installed um, a fish tank and it was one of those internet of things and he installed it in a casino and he hooked up to the wireless network and he put it on. Well, that wireless fish tank allowed um, hackers to actually access the casino network. Yep. They shouldn't have been able to do that, but they did. They, they logged in through the, the wireless fish tank and it's actually a published um, thing. I don't, I don't know if they published how much money they actually stole, but they were able to actually get money out of the casino just by hacking that wireless fish tank. So if you don't know 
Now, I'm not saying you have to know the security uh, of what you're, you're sort of uh, uh, putting on the network each time and everything else. But if you're not putting in something that you know has that security, I mean, there's opportunities for people just to go in. I know that we run a tremendous amount of penetration tests um, against all of our devices. We, have, uh, we go out to JITIC with a lot of our devices and actually get them certified because we're in a lot of secure locations and a lot of governments have our our devices on their networks. And it's important that we make sure that we follow all the securities. And if there's a hole, if there's something that's actually found in any one of our underlying OSs, we actually make sure that we, uh, we do releases that actually make sure that those, uh, those vulnerabilities are patched. Yeah. So it, it's something that's important. But again, it's one of those things you have to understand when you plug it into the network, what are you plugging in? Yeah. I, I walked around Infocom, not this past year, but the year before with my husband and he's like, stop fricking putting wireless in everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was probably hooking up. I mean, listen, you can. No, he's looking, he's looking at everybody. Cause that was the year that everyone had Wi-Fi in their products. Uh, and he's, he's looking at all this stuff and, and they've got their big sign up. Our TV is Wi-Fi now. And he's like, why does your freaking TV have to be Wi-Fi? Stop that. Yeah. I know, and, he, I know. And, and I'm like, well, you know, it doesn't connect to anything, but he gets paid Boku bucks to, uh, to go around and do site surveys for Wi-Fi about where they're going to put access points in. And if you, if you put in a product that's got Wi-Fi in it and it can't be shut off and you mess up, you know, the channels because you're pounding it with, you know, nonsense, like that's not, that's not good. I'll, I'll make people really hate me because I was the guy for the TPMC 10 that had to go around with the air magnet and do all the wireless scanning. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, I'm the network guy here. So, hey, here's a wireless panel. Go figure it out. And it was it was one of those things. I we actually we we started to publicize some of the uh, some of the differences with with RF interference. And I think we've done a very good job of educating people about that. Um, uh, and the way that wireless, yeah, it's it's one of those things. But everything can't be wireless. Everything can't be sort of put in. And oh, here's here's um, here's one channel, and let's just make sure that it always locks on this channel. And it's always um, Zigbee on. stuff yeah. is yeah. I mean, the Zigbee stuff is has actually come a long way. Wi-Fi, we're now getting WPA3. I don't know if you've heard about that, but that's that's coming finally. The new encryption, I think, that's the first one in almost ten years. I think that they're actually uh, they're actually putting out. Um, because again, if if something's encrypted, there's a chance that eventually something may be decrypted. So they're trying to get ahead of the game, um, nice. and making sure that they're out out in front with the uh, the security side. Um, I had one more point that I wanted to make and now I can't remember what it was. So clearly it's not very important. <laughs> <laughs> Stop freaking point wireless. News. Oh yeah. Well, I just think, I think about the target data breach and how it was an HVAC contractor that just like stuck some stuff in there to make their life easier. And, yeah. and that's the stuff that, that keeps me up at night of like, I don't ever want to be on the news because somebody got no. hacked because I set something up because it would be easier for me. No, no, no. I mean, there's, there's been times you look at it and you go, uh, uh, I hope that that's not us and everything else. But yeah, thankfully, I mean, we, we have a major push here for security and everything. We actually have a, a security council uh, uh, that people are a part of a lot of the engineers that teach a master's class and everything. We're all sort of looking at things. I know that, um, for Mercury, I'm one of the guys that says, Hey, here's the security, um, uh, that we have. And we're starting to get, um, everybody sort of in the same page so that we can make sure that everything that we release, uh, goes through the security council. So we can make sure that before it gets out there, um, we know the vulnerabilities. We don't want anybody sort of telling us we'd like to do it ourselves before it gets out. So. Nice. 
Well, I could talk to you all day, but you're busy. Uh, you know, podcasts aren't supposed to be six hours long, so I should probably wrap it up. But I just, uh, I just had the meeting reminder come up. I have to, I have to go to the, I have to go do training for Airboard now. So there you go. <laughs> all right. So last question, and this is the one that we try to end on just a light note. Um, so we do just kind of a silly question. Um, I, you and I both travel, uh, both in high demand. What is the craziest last minute having to go fix something, you know, get on a plane, train, or automobile? All right. So I, I work at Crestron. I've been in the support side, and I'm in the engineering side. Um, there's been plenty of times somebody says, hey, uh, go to the airport. We'll tell you where you're going. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, one of the, one of the craziest ones, um, back when the Olympics were in Vancouver, um, I had just landed and I was probably on the road for, for five or six days at that point, And I had just landed at the airport. Um, and I got a phone call, um, saying that the, uh, there were DM systems out in, out there. Uh, and it was for security of the Olympics we were transmitting a lot of the, the cameras and things like that over DM. Um, and uh, what they were having some issues. Uh, it was before the Olympics, so they wanted people to go out and look at it. And it was like a week before, and I got a phone call and said, uh, we believe it's all network-related, so you got to go out. And I literally just landed, um, and there was a snowstorm coming the next day. So uh, I called the airport. They couldn't get any planes. I called a friend who worked at, uh, at uh, Continental, and he, uh, he sort of helped me out. And he said, have them buy a ticket on this plane in an hour. And I said, okay. And he goes, I go, where's it going? And he goes, Houston. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, that's the only one. And he goes, I can put you on a seat. And he, even the travel company here that I was on the other line with, they said, there's no seats available. I said, just purchase a ticket. And she goes, uh, she goes, oh, uh, she goes, all right, I'll purchase a ticket. She purchased it. And then he put me in a seat and I got out. And by the time that I landed in Houston, I got another email from, uh, uh, from, from people here that said, Oh, while you're in Houston, can you go here? <laughs> so not only did I get rerouted to Houston for where I had to go to, uh, Rice university, I actually then sort of headed out to the Olympics and, uh, and did a whole bunch of stuff there. And it was on site for a week and they wrote to, they wrote to people here and said, um, Hey, he needs to stay here for the Olympics. We trust that he's he's the guy that that can make sure that we're all good. So, yeah, I got I got two weeks at the Olympics. I just had to be on twenty four hour call, and I, I had a couple of phone calls that I had to rush out. Um, and again, it was it was one of those things we were we were very sort of uh, uh, relied upon to be uh, delivering um, cameras and things like that around to different locations. So um, so it wasn't it wasn't minimal in what we were doing, and uh, the fact that yeah, we just had to make it work. There was no, there was no, oh, this, this can't work or anything else. It's you go out and you figure it out. And that's what happens a lot of here at Crestron is just, you get, sort of get sent and you, 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 you get a one-way ticket and you you get the return ticket when you fix it. <laughs> <laughs> so, first, first, first prize is a return ticket. Kind <laughs> of, you know, yeah, 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 I solved it. All right. I can go home now. So <laughs> I live 20 minutes from the airport and we, we talked about moving and, uh, and it was like, no, actually this is my commute. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> I don't think I want to live any farther away. You, you buy that ticket and the, and the airlines like, uh, you know, this plane's in an hour and a half, this flight is in an hour and a half, right? You, you need to, you need to confirm that this is the flight that you want and not the one tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's the one I want. I'll come home someday. I know. Uh, <laughs> 
never the Olympics. I uh, done some cool, done some cool projects. Uh, you know, had the clients really like it. You know, you get a nice email and they say, we, we love the job you did. Hope did a wonderful job. We only want her on our, on our projects for now. I, I forward them to my husband. I'm all proud of myself. And he's like, that's great. I'm really proud of you. Does this mean you're going to have to fly to Chicago more? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, sorry. The, 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 the prize for doing a good job is you get the next job. So. <laughs> oh, well, we do it because we love it. Uh, yeah, if it was easy, everybody would do it. So. Correct. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, hope to have you back sometime, maybe after Ignite, when you have some cool stuff that you can tell us about. Uh, where can people find you on the internet if they want to find you on the internet? Uh, if they want to find me specifically, I got all sorts of social media stuff. I'm sure you'll link to that stuff. Um, yep. But all the information for Crestron and, and all the products that we do are on, uh, on Crestron.com. Um, okay. it's, it's a pretty easy site to sort of navigate and get through. Um, and if you got any questions, um, there is online chat, there's online help. There's a whole bunch of stuff that we sort of have at disposal. One of the things that we're we, we sort of do, and I have to go here in a couple of minutes, is actually to, to make sure that we, we educate everybody on our thing. So, uh, so Airboard, which I didn't even talk about. I know that you and I ran into, uh, into each other, and I was manning the Airboard <laughs> station at, at Infocom, and you, I couldn't even breathe half the time inside of that thing. So this is one of the products that I think is getting a tremendous amount of attention, and I think it's really cool. Um, but I got to make sure, yeah. We, we have the right training. We have all the materials out there so that people know exactly what this does and how they use it. So, so that's where I'm off to now. So, uh, there you go. Well, thank you very much. Jimmy Vaughn from Crestron Electronics. Hope thanks, Hope. Uh, anytime. Uh, you have been listening to The Floating Point on Rave Pubs Radio, and we will see you soon. <laughs>